There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Hello. What is it to be lost? Air Supply tells us you can be lost in love. Chet Baker encourages us to get lost in each other's arms. Irwin Allen showed us that you can be lost in space. And that weird-ass TV show shows us that sometimes a bunch of people in a plane crash can be just plain lost. But this week in our series Focus on Scarlett Johansson, and wouldn't I love to focus on Scarlett Johansson, we find out what it is to be lost in translation with her. In Japan, with Bill Murray, as so often happens to each and every one of us, doesn't it? Yes. No? no. <laughs> well, darn it, it should. I'm your host, Max Land of the Rising Gorge Levine, <laughs> and over there, lounging in his underwear with his back to the camera, is Mike Ginsu means sucker in Japanese, loose. Uh, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sayonara Ginsu, so long, sucker. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think... So, and that wasn't my ass, it was actually a stunt ass, but there... Yes, but what was the deal with it? I don't know, but let's ask Namor, huh? Cause let's ask Namor, what, what is the deal is with, Namor's with Namor's ass? ass yep. <laughs> if, you've seen, if you've seen the uh, preview for the, new, for the second Black Panther movie, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, but it's not the ass. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, but before we get to this, we've got our poll question. Poll question... Our poll question last week was, what movie have you not seen because it just looked too disturbing? Disturbing can be whatever you want it to mean. And, uh, well, a lot of you are very disturbed. Uh, <laughs> Steve Kellner writes, pretty much the entire horror oeuvre, <clears throat> he actually wrote oeuvre, of Jordan Peele. I know they're good, but I don't like horror that much. Yeah, I get that. I saw uh, Get Out, but... Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even know who he was. It's not easy to watch. Angelo Pazzala says any Stephen King mo novel made into a movie, and yes, I agree as well as any Jordan Peele. Huh. I mostly, even Maximum Overdrive? That's not particularly scary. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. That's my perfect dead-on Stephen King impression. Yes, except both your eyes were pointed in the same direction. Oh, oops. He's a very nice man. He, I'm sure he is. Uh, Nick Hoffman says, I've never seen a snuff film. That's about it. In general, I'm up for anything except real-life examples of torture, etc. Yeah, there was a okay. series on uh, video Yeah, cassette. Faces of Death. Yeah. The thing is, Ugh. some of them actually weren't real, which oh. is... I, I don't know if that's more disturbing. It's like, well, we know you want to see death, so we they ran out. Here's some fake stuff. Gen but Generally grotesque. Yeah. Adam Mark, Human Centipede. You Ugh. couldn't pay me. Yeah. Valerie Coons we have just discovered is a distant relative of Mike's. <laughs> Very distant. <laughs> well, she's I'm with the horror movie gang, too. Horror movie gang, too. Oh, I love... That one sequel wasn't as good as the first one. <laughs> Especially the Saw franchise. Yeah, I prefer the uh, Punch Drill franchise. Sigh. Any movie that has intense brutality or torture, though, m would make my nope list. Deliverance, for, for instance, <laughs> or Midnight Express, or Twelve Monkeys, uh, or Clockwork Orange, even. Hmm. Kelly Cooper says mostly torture porn, e.g. Hostel, the aforementioned Centipede, the Saw franchise. I think we're sensing a theme here. Sorry, yeah. Saw and Centipede people. Yeah. I saw most of the first Saw and was extremely annoyed by the whole premise. Huh. In particular, any movie with piles and piles of stupid, deadly, tricky traps. 
Mm. One exception I saw the end of was The Collector. Mm, don't know it. Wait, that was uh, Benicio Del Toro's no, character. Yes, but that, I'm in, sure it's not that. Oh, oh okay. Uh, while channel surfing, and it ends on such an intriguing cliffhanger that I sought out the sequel, The Collection, and enjoyed it. But it's more of an action horror than straight horror, and note that I did not go back and watch the entirety of The Collector. Oh, and she thought of another one, and it's not necessarily horror. Lamb. It's ah. an Icelandic movie from last year, and the premise is disturbing. Then I read a very thoughtful review and fully noped out. Mm. Lamb. Icelandic lamb. Very tasty. <laughs> that was a brilliant Icelandic accent you had there, Max. I was now totally taken in. Chris Francioni has... Oh boy, I'm going to get... I'm going to mispronounce this. Irreversible, Irreversible by Gaspar Noé. Ah. Haven't seen it yet because of how disturbing it is, and I've seen some really messed up movies in my time. I have not seen this yet because I don't know what he's talking about. Me either, but that's okay. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Dave, Dave writes, at this point, not sure I could name anything. I, uh, I'm fairly jaded after such things as Cruel Tales of the Shogunate Downfall, and he gives us a nice link to it. Just for, <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Uh, he helped that brilliant <laughs> film, but ugh. And the first female prisoner scorpion film, Probably doesn't look that disturbing in this preview, which he also links to. Closer Thank to home, you. I have never seen a chainsaw movie and can't conceive of them being entertaining. Well, you're just not into lumberjacks. I did, except yeah. Army of Darkness. Okay, that's I, okay. <laughs> And I don't watch zombie films, but sometimes I think maybe I should. No, I, no you really shouldn't. <laughs> uh, uh, Margaret Trouth says, Peggy. What's the Peggy Trouth? Okay, yeah. says, What's the new one from Phil Tippett? Something oh. of the Mad God. Yep. I, I I swear I've heard of, I remember something Mad God, and it's like a stop motion. Oh, yeah. Yep. I acknowledge that it is surely a beautiful passion project from a master of stop motion work, but it looks like it's nothing but creepy critters ripping each other up, and I really don't want to fill my head with that. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, Way Phil to keep Tippett, that mental health together. Probably the most famous thing Phil Tippett is known for is the... 3D chess set in the first Star Wars film. Those little critters. You're kidding. That's really? Phil Tippett. Yep. Oh, okay. Among, among many other things, but I think most people and, would know that. And finally, from the Great White North, Ooh. we have Vince, who Snowy. says, I have to say, there were a couple of times I was tempted to watch Human Centipede, but just couldn't do it. Ditto for the sequels. I keep forgetting there are sequels. Great. Well... Those were some great answers. Thank you very much. And Mike, what about you? So I have never even seen a preview for Human Centipede. I have heard the premise, and that's enough. If you do not know the premise of Human Centipede, do not. Don't Google it. Don't really, look it up. It really is, don't. It's I don't gross. Know, I can't even figure out why anyone would make that sentence. Never mind a film. Yeah, it is not only gross, it's unnecessarily. It, it's just something just like. Don't. Huh, it, it sounds like what like eleven year olds go. Huh, you know, it'd be gross. Yeah, that and it, yeah. yes, I'm sure it is. But yeah. there was a film I actually owned, and I owned it in a format that made it such that I would never watch it. Huh. Once I found out format. what it was, yeah, it was a Japanese horror film called The Ring, and it oh, turns out you mean the, you the, mean the Ring? Ringu? Yes, it turns out the Ring 
is more or less a haunted VHS tape. Well, yeah. that's the format I had it on. Oh, so and I was you like, didn't actually oh. watch it, right? No, so you, good. I, I know because you didn't die seven days later. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, and I've seen clips from it now. And at the time, I heard it was a horror film, and I was living in Florida at the time, and I was often alone. Uh, at night and I was like well I have this Japanese film I should watch this and I found out what it was about and I'm like hmm alone in the dark with a VHS tape <laughs> that says the ring on it and apparently watching the video causes this scary thing to come out and kill you I think I'll put that on the shelf and then later I think I'll put that in the landfill uh, yeah, so I've never yeah. watched the ring how about you Max well I gotta well partly I gotta go with human centipede just because this is just a concept that just sounds horrifying, and yes. I feel the one I I I always sort of figured I should watch and cannot get myself to is Triumph of the Will. <laughs> you were going to say bread. <laughs> Triumph, Triumph of, the, of bread. the bread. Well, that's what they're making fun of. You mean the Lenny yeah, Riefenstahl? No, Triumph film? of the Will. Lenny Riefenstahl's Nazi propaganda documentary, which is supposed to be ama an amazing piece of film work, but I, I can't do it. It's just yeah. too, the, the idea is just too awful. Well, Birth of a Nation, I can't watch. I can't watch Schindler's List, because I'm sure it's just really depressing. That's not disturbing, but... No, it's depressing. It is depressing. It's it's a little Hollywoody, but it's yeah. it's very depressing. I've seen Birth of a Nation, again, fascinating from a film history point of view. You just want to... I, I just wanted to dig up D.W. Griffin, Griffin and Griffith. repeatedly kick his corpse in the crotch. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, that thank was a, you. Yeah, that was Those, a great question. Oh, thank you. Those were some terrific answers. Thank you so much. Bumpy bucks for everyone. The least disturbing cryptocurrency out there. <laughs> that was my best impression of Bumpy yet. <laughs> and we have a new poll question. <gasps> oh, boy. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, kind of, kind of, to me, anyway, sort of the, the opposite of this. What is a movie you've always felt like you should watch because of stuff and reasons, ah. but you've just never been able to get yourself to do it? Mm. You know, one of those movies that it's either a classic or people have told you should watch it or something, and you keep going, I really should, I just can't. And can you, think, can you tell us why? Mm. This is a tough one for me. I got a bunch of those. I'd really like to hear what other people's are. Cool. And we'll tell you how you can tell us at the end of the show, because that just keeps you hanging. That's right. If you somehow but, don't know how to do it. <laughs> but for now, we got trivia. First, trivia. some stuff about Scarlett Johansson herself. The facts. Uh, preparing for this movie, she actually moved to Japan and lived in Hokkaido for months. Wow. Yeah, just to absorb the place. Hmm. Her mother, Melanie Sloan, used to work as her manager when, since Scarlett was nine years old. When she Scarlett turned 16, she fired her mom. Uh, it, can you do that? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, as your manager, yes. Oh. Apparently, she was not so good with the money. Oh, I All I can dear. think is that must have made Thanksgiving dinners really awkward. Yeah. She also has a twin brother named Hunter. She does? Yes, she does. Wow. He is, yeah. No, you have not heard of him. Nope. And she was briefly married. She's been married a number of times. She was briefly married to Ryan Reynolds. Uh, really? I assume that they were legally required to get divorced before they had children on the basis that their children would simply be too good-looking to be allowed <laughs> and would simply make all other human beings feel bad. So... 
Thanks for taking one for the team, you guys. A prime reason, I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, as to the movie itself. Ah. The budget for this was the whole movie. This was 2003. $4 million. Wow. Yeah. You want to take a guess how much it made? Uh, $1 million. Probably $119 million. What? Yeah. Dang! Yeah, this was a massive success, which of course explains Lost in Translations 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, 3 wasn't as good, but 4 actually picked back up. 4 actually started to pick back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This film, it was written, the the whole thing was filmed in 27 days. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Now, this was not only directed by Sofia Coppola, but Mm -hmm. also written by her. They, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actor for Bill Murray. Was this it her actually, first it, film? Uh, no, this was oh. uh, her second. The first was Virgin Suicides, oh, oh. and it's a bunch of music videos. I'd heard that that was actually well It's supposed of. to be really good. It's a, it's a real critical darling, but it's one of those where it's just like, well, now I will slip into a warm bath <laughs> with a razor blade and watch the water turn crimson. Is that maybe a film that might be a part of your answer to this week's poll question? It might be, indeed. <laughs> huh. Dang. Uh, so, yeah. So this only won Best Screenplay, but that year, Sofia Coppola became the first woman ever to be nominated for writing, directing, and producing in the same year. Duh. 2003, it took us that long. Yeah. them, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Isn't it, Max and I would have voted for we, people back in the 50s, except yeah. we weren't uh, born then. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. She wrote, Coppola, by the way, she, who is a prime example of in behind the camera, not in front of the camera, <laughs> behind the camera. You're still talking about that movie you claim doesn't exist, right? It doesn't exist, and she wasn't in it, and that's ah. fine. <laughs> she actually wrote the lead role for Bill Murray. And she said if he had turned it down, she wouldn't have done the movie at all. Wow. Yeah. This is also, first off, Bill Murray, this is his favorite movie of his own, of his own movies. Interesting. This yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about Bill. Yeah. And as of today, as of this date, it is the only time he has ever been nominated for an Oscar. Probably factually accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fair. Uh, the, the opening shot of Scarlett Johansson. Uh, yeah. From, my yes, moon, from, <laughs> two moons over Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is basically her in her panties and a shirt from the back. It's influenced by a painting by, I'm going to say the name wrong, John Cassere, K-A-C-E-R-E. Cassera? I don't uh, know. Don't know him. And the painting later shows up in the hotel. He oh. was apparently known for painting women in lingerie. Johansson was really nervous about appearing in her underpants. She was 18 when this movie was made, by the way. She's playing 25, but she was 18. I was thinking she was like, oh, 25. And she said she just graduated and they'd been yeah. married two years, so yeah. I was thinking 24, but that's all right. Yeah. She was really nervous about it, so to calm her down, Sofia Coppola did the first take herself wearing the same underwear. Ah. Do we know which nice one they touch. used? Uh, I, I, it was one with Scarlett Johansson. Are you sure? Yes. I've made <laughs> extensive studies. <laughs> a couple of interesting things just about the characters. You know, uh, Bill Murray is playing Bob and Scarlett Johansson is Charlotte. They never introduce themselves to each other. We hmm. never hear them tell each other their names. They know them, but they never do. They also don't exchange dialogue until 32 minutes into the film. Hmm. This film is about an hour 46. Hmm. And uh, they don't even talk for the first half hour. Francis Ford Coppola, Sophia's father, who 
did one or two movies of his own, I forget which. And the executive he, producer of this one. <laughs> he urged to shoot the movie in high-definition video because it's the future. But she said, no, film feels more romantic. Uh, that's weird coming from him. Yeah, isn't it? Mr. He, not ex- he is not exactly a very like cutting-edge no. uh, modernistic director. But no. the script, which you can find online, it wasn't really written in the traditional sense. Really? Wow, sort of surprised. in terms of very broad scene description that allowed for a lot of input from the actors. A lot of the dialogue scenes were heavily improvised. Wow. Including uh, Bill Murray's lines in the photo shoot. A lot of that's improvised. <laughs> and his conversation with Scarlett Johansson about his shiatsu massage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the tension is gone and has been replaced with crippling pain. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Eve. Sofia Coppola wrote a lot of this movie kind of based on her life. The character of John, Charlotte's husband, played by Giovanni Ribisi, is kind of based on her husband at the time, Spike Jones. Oh. The director, the guy you would yeah. like, John, being John Malkovich. Not, not the he, city slickers. <laughs> right, yes. And uh, rumor has it, and again, this is just rumor, that the character of Kelly, who is played by Anna Faris, the, sort of the uh, movie star was kind of based on Cameron Diaz. How worked, did I guess? <laughs> yeah, we, who worked with Jones on being John Malkovich. And Coppola has denied that, officially. And yet? <laughs> and yet, it's utterly believable. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. When Charlotte is riding the subway, she looks down at a man who's reading a comic, and the comic book is Ghost in the Shell, which we know from later, Scarlett Johansson would go on to appear in an unfortunate adaptation uh, of that very comic, which we talk about in our series, Whitewashing. That's interesting, because to me it looked like it was photographic and it was porn. Uh, apparently it's got some some issue mm. or other of Ghost in the Shell. Mm. I'm going to challenge that, but not you. I'm going to challenge right. IMDb on that one. Okay. The inspiration for having Bob do a Suntory whiskey commercial was partly inspired by the fact that Francis Ford Coppola made a real Suntory commercial with Akira Kurosawa <laughs> in the 1970s. Yeah. I hope that's on YouTube somewhere. Probably. That, By the way, that's a kind of running thing in this. Bob is in Japan to do a commercial. As we all, I mean, as become, it used to be Hollywood's worst kept secret. Now pretty much everyone knows. A lot of American actors who refuse to do commercials in this country because it'll, I don't know what the excuse used to be nowadays, it's, it'll dilute my brand. Mm-hmm. Go over and are paid immense amounts of money to do commercials in Japan. People you would not expect, like Harrison yeah. Ford and Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah. There's a shot at one point of Bob running across a busy street while a minivan passes. Full. This actually, I always wondered about when I first saw the movie. Full of uniformed women, waving and very politely shouting over a PA system while a guy is running along next to the van. This is apparently a form of advertising used by political candidates. The candidate runs along the van while his supporters <laughs> yell at the passers-by. Sure. Because why not? I mean, I'm sure there's a Japanese game show based on that, but... Probably. For all of you Japanophiles and those who speak a bits of Japan, we do notice that John Japanese. uses the phrase mushi-mushi incorrectly a couple yes. of times. Yes, it's a greeting, but when are you supposed to use it, Mike? Only on the phone. Only on the phone, unless mm. you are trying to get someone's attention. Yeah. 
but even then. The temple in Kyoto that Charlotte goes to is Nanzenji, and it was very odd for her to see a wedding there because most Japanese weddings take place in shrines, not temples. Hmm. The second place she went was the Heian Jingu Shrine. The kiss between, spoiler, between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson at the end of the movie wasn't in the script. Mm. It was an in-the-moment ad-lib by both of them. At this point, Scarlett Johansson was 18, Bill Murray was 53. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I say, for years, no one other than Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, and Sofia Coppola knew what Bob whispered to Charlotte in the final scene. But on October 28, 2009, there was a YouTube video came up with an enhanced audio version, the subtitles, and a lot more than 20,000 people got to see it before it got yanked. Hmm. Allegedly. What, what he says is, that should I talk about this now or at the end? Um, let's talk about it at the end. Okay, that's fine. But I think that there's a, knowing there's that a there's a of, trivia about it is interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of other trivia, a lot of other stuff about this movie, but I think that covers it pretty well. Tell us the Plot. Sure. Two souls lost in translation? <laughs> Certainly they're both a bit lost in Japan, figuratively anyway. Pretty sure they know where they are geographically. Charlotte is a 25-year-old Yale graduate with a degree in philosophy because that's where the money is. With no real idea of where her life should go. Hard to believe with that philosophy degree. Bob is a middle-aged, past-his-prime film star, unhappy with his fading career and restless in his marriage. Both of them find themselves in the same hotel in Tokyo, which is the Hyatt, by the way, oh. Charlotte joining her husband, John, a photographer, on a business trip, and Bob because he has been offered a pantload of money to do a whiskey commercial, and he needs the money. Both unable to sleep for reasons of their own and adrift in a very unfamiliar place, the two drift into each other's orbits, mostly but not always at night, and form an unusual bond. Friendship? Kinship? Romantic? Let's find out, shall we? The film! Boy, intense! <laughs> is, is that what he said? It sounded like he said a lot more. No, it's, uh, look into the camera, more intense. <laughs> he, he said an awful lot. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. But. Yeah. Well, this film starts off and lets us know, this is one of our often asked questions of films, and we know for a fact that this film is in focus. <laughs> it is very much in focus. Mostly the focus is on Scarlett Johansson's buttocks. Yeah, that's how the film starts. Scar Scarlett Johansson's And you know what? Ass. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> wow. Kel Surprise. Yeah, well. Um, it... So one of the things I, I remember this being, and I went and checked this out this morning because I was I was kind of sure that that's how this worked. I was like, was this the start of the serious Bill Murray movies? And it pretty much is. You could and argue that Royal Tenenbaums it. is sort of... Broken Flowers, I would say, which I think came before this. I didn't show up in the list of IMDb as being before. Oh. It. Oh, but okay. Royal Tenenbaums is still that layer of humor. Yeah, that's um, a, Wes Anderson. I don't know if I how serious you can call those because he's sort there. There's echoes of it or pre-echoes, pre-verb of it in Rushmore when he plays the dad character in Rushmore. Yeah, but, but it's not really the sad down and out 
older Bill Murray, who is not entirely unlike the character he's playing in the film. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is that this actually became a little renaissance for Bill Murray. And he, like, there was a Garden State, was he in that one? There's a couple of other films where he's, uh, the Life Aquatic, um, but there's other films where he started playing this older character and showed he actually had some range yeah he actually had, could do dramatic stuff broken flowers i think he did that's it is later i just yeah. i checked that's very he's much more dramatic it's much sadder it's not as memorable a movie but yeah this was kind of the start of where he wanted to be hi guess what i i want to try to do real acting yeah well, I looked at some of the films that led up to this, and there was some films that he was listed in and wasn't even in the preview. Like, wow. he had gotten to that point where Bill Murray was not as tradable a name. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a nice surprise. It's almost like when Robin Williams started doing some mm, more yeah. serious roles. Yep, it's I like you're, you're kind of waiting for him to do the thing, and he doesn't, and no. it's actually pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it's kind of impressive, and especially I think he does a really good job in this. Uh, it's also that what gets me also is sort of the physicality, the physical differences between him and Scarlett Johansson. But particularly when he's arriving in Japan, Bill Murray is six foot two. Oh wow! And they go out of their way <laughs> to show you how he literally does not fit this country. No, the, the opening one of the opening shots in the elevator where he is a <laughs> head and shoulders taller than everyone else. And or when he's in the shower. Well, wait, they're and he all can't, they're all these sad looking Japanese businessmen, which I'm yeah. sure they did on purpose. And he is standing there looking just as sad, but above them all. Yep. Um, yeah, but yeah, the shower. He's in the please. shower, and the shower head, which is adjustable, he can't get it any higher than like his sternum. I just got to tell you, having been in many hotels over uh, my lifetime, both here and in Europe, that's not uncommon anywhere outside yeah. of Japan, too. Well, it's so your fault tired. for being so freakishly mutant-like tall. I'm six two. Oh <laughs> my The same God. height as Bill Murray. You're the same height. Yes, exactly. You're gigantic. You're well, just obscenely out outsized and have no place in reality. Compared to Scarlett Johansson, sure, but oh uh, well, yeah, she's five three, or so. as I will now call her, Two Moons. Um, <laughs> that's her new nickname. This film is filled with things like that, and when you told me that this film wasn't written in the traditional sense, I totally believe it. This film is almost more a series of vignettes that have been, and I'm going to say this, very deftly stitched together into yeah. a story. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my notes on this is there's no action. Well, okay, there's there's a tiny bit of action where they run out of a party that lasts oh, ten seconds. Little. Yeah, there is no action in this film, and there's not really any major conflict. It's all there's, character driven, yeah. and the pacing is surprisingly good. I never got bored. I was no. always interested, and a good chunk of this film is in a language I don't even understand, but. I think she comes out of Sophia Coppola comes out of the gate running. Uh, yeah. I know this isn't. I didn't see Virgin Suicides. I did see this in the theater. I don't know if you did. And I have. Mm, I may have liked this film since I saw it the first time, but we'll find out <laughs> later. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually saw a, a preview screening of it before the film was uh, in the final edit. That's my <laughs> film nerd cred right there. Nerd. So when I, yep. So when I saw it, I, you could actually see. You know how they don't trim it. Oh, and you could no. see, yep, I could see Mike stands off to oh. the side, or, yeah. What did you, do you remember what your reaction at the time was? Oh, we'll talk about that in the wrap-up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, 
there's it there's they're just little scenes and we're starting off pretty equally and we stay pretty equal throughout the film although we have a little bit more i think on bill murray's side because his wife calls him mm-hmm. and we don't really see as much with john the husband which is a good thing because john's a jerk john is an idiot oh, john she- is it my god man scarlett johansson is walking around in her underwear in front of you and you're fiddling with your camera lenses well then that's not a euphemism um and there's actually this one little scene where it's Charlotte, Scarlett Johansson's character alone, and she's looking through some photos. And this is this film is so anachronistic. They're <laughs> Polaroids, yeah. um, which and there's fax machines and these all these things are just like wow, this is not happening yeah. now. But she p- comes out with a bunch of Polaroids and they're selfies, but they're Polaroids because yeah. we don't have cell phones yet, and they're selfies of John. And in all of them, he's paying attention to himself and the camera, and Scarlett Johansson's in the background, and he's not obviously not even looking at her or noticing. And she's, she's usually in. looking at him. And I, that's what I really find interesting. I can't say it's good or bad because uh, <laughs> Max won't let me. Interesting about this film is there's lots of little moments of that. Just those Polaroids tell you a lot about their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to say, the one of the the uh, side characters, the way they're done, is mm. so well done. Mm. We see very little of John, but immediately, first off, I now immediately decide that Spike Jones must be a complete jerk if he's based on if John is based on him. Yeah, or at least he wasn't very nice to her. But uh, Giovanni Rabisi is re- is really good at playing these sort of somewhat clueless. Yeah, not always not always awful people, but just. This weird kind of, I just don't get it. Yeah, I actually thought he was Casey Affleck at first, because they kind of <laughs> do the same thing. He does a really nice job. Anna Ferris, who plays Kelly, the, the uh, movie <sighs> star. First off, Anna Ferris, by the way, did you notice there is a mistake in the movie? When mm. he first, when John first runs into Kelly, he calls her Anna. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He goes, Anna! Like, Oops! <laughs> <laughs> Anna Ferris, by the way, is a is an under an underused treasure because she is really good at comedy. She is really funny, and in this, with two lines, it's like, "Yep, I know exactly who this character is supposed to be. I know exactly what kind of person she is." Oh, you're Cameron Diaz. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't think Cameron Diaz. I thought, you know, okay, you're an interchangeable, generically attractive actor. With no, who's just like the the flavor of the moment. Yeah. Well, as Max pointed out in in his overview of the plot, it's just really a story of two people who end up at the same physical location and at the same point in their lives where they, they realize that sort they of different ends. Yeah. They don't really know who they are anymore. And in case of Charlotte, she's too young. She hasn't done anything yet. She doesn't Although, know who she's going to be. And right. And Bob she's already, she's is. tried a few things and given up already, which of course is not how you get good at anything. And there's a little encouragement from Bob, Bob Hadis, um, who you know basically says you should. She, she says I tried writing, I didn't like anything I wrote. It's like well, nobody does the first time, and if you do, you should probably stop writing. Yeah. Uh, and she's she was a philosophy major because there's a lot of money in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, she feels to me very much like somebody who is going to be good at something. It's just it's going to take her probably, and I'm going to we're, we're going to get into this in our talking points. It's going to take her probably not being with John to do it. Yeah, yeah. 
She and, she does seem remarkable. She I mean, John gets annoyed at her because he thinks she's snobby and she thinks everyone is stupid. The thing is, you get the feeling compared to her, a lot of people probably are stupid. Well, and it's really a case too, and this has sadly become really prevalent in today's society, is she's actually paid attention to something. Yeah. Like, you know, occasionally I'll just, you know, taking cash in my at work and my job, and I'll talk about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah the way you can tell a fake bill is this, that, and that. Because I know a few ways of te- telling what a real bill mm-hmm. looks like and what doesn't. And people just look at me like, well, how do you know that? And it's like, I don't know. I saw it on the Discovery Channel once, and I remember it. It's not amazingly esoteric, it, weird it information. It means you paid attention, and yeah. a lot of people don't. And I think a lot of the people, of course, some of them are Hollywood-based as characters in this film, but a lot of people as portrayed here just don't. And she's of a dying breed that does. That's one of the things I think is so interesting about her performance in this. John in in Japan, not John, sorry, Bob in Japan just seems like an alien. And he's just, he's not, he's trying not to let it touch him at all. No, He's just looking around like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't understand, and I'm not interested. Yeah. She makes an effort. Yep. She is, goes around. She does. Admittedly, she's obviously doing some. Okay, these are standard touristy things, but she's trying to to understand or trying to absorb. Even though it always highlights to me how apart she is from it. Right. She always seems very alone. She's curious, though, yeah. and that's the interesting part, is that she's curious. It's like, what is this temple? And she sort of gets involved. She goes to this temple, and you can tell that she's really being touched by what's going on. They're just chanting, and there's a bell ringing with these monks at this temple, and eventually there, there is a marriage, too. But she's just sitting there looking at this moment, and the only sad part is that she... And she talks to a friend of, sure. over the phone. Oh, it's that, her mother. That's not that, a friend. That she calls her mom. Yeah, but she calls her by name. That's why I didn't know it was her mother. Um, she felt something. She just didn't know what it was. She, and, that's and, the thing she said she didn't feel. That was what that was what really upset her. She thought it was this beautiful spiritual thing, and she didn't feel anything, and she doesn't know why. And she, well, she feel, she's trying not to cry. She does cry. And the next words out of her mouth before her mother puts the phone down are, I don't know why I got married. Uh. And you suddenly realize that what happened was she had a moment where she was brought, there was a, like the bell ringing was a, as a moment of clarity. And she suddenly realized I'm as out of place in my marriage as I am here. Yeah. Things are going on and I'm not connected. And, I, and of course she needs to leave him um, for Max. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. And that that's one of the things that I think is very skillfully done in this film is that there is very, no, there is no expositional dialogue at all. Nope, there nothing are moments, gets explained. And the moments come together to give you a picture of what's going on with these people. Uh, and occasionally there's like the phone calls from Bob, uh, his wife, are pretty obvious. Yeah. And his reactions to them. The thing is I will give Bob is he's trying. When he talks to his wife, he asks how she's doing and stuff. She doesn't. It's yeah, but you get the feeling she's just kind of had enough. Because, I mean, he's forgotten his kid's birthday. Yeah. He's away all the time. Even he admits that. And you just get the feeling she's kind of not, she doesn't want to try. She's just, she's, Lydia is very passive-aggressive in this. Yeah. The thing of, you know, sending him the uh, carpet swatches and faxing him at what she knows is four in the morning. Right. Or doesn't care if it's four in the morning. Um, 
And, you know, you sit there and you go, oh, it's probably because Bob is a terrible husband and stuff. And it's like, you know, I get more of an impression that these two people just grew apart, but they had kids. That Because he, he talks about her and he's like, yeah, she used to be so outgoing and she wanted to go. Basically, I'm, he, I think he's telling us that Charlotte reminds him of her because Charlotte <sighs> is curious and Charlotte wants to go out and see things. Um, and she isn't like that anymore. And of course, Bob's an actor, so he's been all over the world doing things like these photo shoots, well, which are hilarious. Oh, God. When he's doing... The fo- when he's doing the TV commercial, he does two. We see a TV commercial and we see a photo shoot. And the TV commercial he's doing with this insane director who is just, again, instantly you know what kind of director this is. It doesn't yeah. matter he's Japanese. Yeah. You know we have these in every country. He is, so this is art to him. This is important. Yeah, it's a whiskey commercial, but this matters. He wants intensity. He wants, wants people to care. But the translator is just... Sums everything up, you know. The act, you know, he talks for like thirty seconds at incredible speed, and Bob looks at the translator, and she goes, eh, "He said, can you more intense?'" <laughs> and he keeps. Are you sure that's all he said? And it's always, "Yep, that's it." He just said like, two <laughs> words. It sounded like he said a lot more. Or, you yeah. know, look to the look. As, oh, turn to the camera. Look into turn and look at the camera. Yeah. And put and, your hand close to your face. <laughs> yep. The, the uh, oh god, the photographer who wants him to, uh, you know, Rat Pack. Rat, <laughs> really? Sure, Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah. Sinatra, Sinatra. You, yeah, yeah. Okay, old blue eyes. Yeah, Sinatra. Okay. Uh, that well, that's more Dean, and he sounds like he obviously yeah. has no idea what they want him to do. Doesn't uh, know Raja what's Moore. going on. Raja Moore. Okay. Sorry. It's like I usually think of James Bond as uh, uh, Sean Connery as no Roger no, no. Moore. Okay. Roger Moore. Very important that he does. He tries to do <laughs> Roger Moore, and he's not doing anything that looks anything like Roger Moore. He's just no. making weird gestures. Again. He is such an alien in this culture, and he, it just baffles him. When he yeah. goes on that that TV show... Oh, with Matthew, yeah. Yes, which, by the way, is a real TV show. Matthew's yes, best hit TV. <laughs> and this guy, you know, blo- bleach blonde hair, ridiculous animation, insanely over-energetic, leaping about, screaming at him in Japanese really fast, painfully happy to see him. Yeah. Translator obviously is so left so far behind she can't do anything. <laughs> Monsieur <he>, Magic <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. he doesn't know what's going on. No. And he doesn't really care. Well, and here's the thing, these little vignettes, these scenes are also echoing back, I'm sure, to his own life. He realizes how ridiculous being a Hollywood movie star is, whether you're in Japan or back home. Mm. I'm pretending to be happy. I'm pretending to be sad. I'm pretending to be Roger Moore. And that's what I'm doing with my life? Wait, isn't there any substance? Like, where's the depth? Where's, what am I, literally, what am I doing? And I think that's kind of the theme. And of course, one of the things that draws him and Charlotte together is she realizes she married too young. She did. And she and her husband just don't seem to have anything in common. And her husband weirdly doesn't seem to have any interest in being married to Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. This guy must've suffered some terrible head trauma or I don't know. The nice thing is you get a sense that maybe Bob is just in time. 
that he can actually help her by saying something, and maybe we can get to this, saying something and being with her, enjoying the energy she brings to his life and bringing some of the experience to hers, that uh, she might have finally developed some, the courage. A couple of the lines in there, I just love when they're in bed together. And by that, I mean they are literally, they can't sleep, so they're just curled up together. It's so cute because the only only part that's touching is she's resting her feet against his leg. Yeah. And he like puts his hand on her foot, and that's it. Well, but he says, the more you know who you are and what you want, the less life seems exciting. Hmm. He's like telling her, you, you, you kind of got to savor this uncertainty. It's, it's, it's f and when he talks about his kids... He says, it's the most terrifying day of your life when the first one is born. And she just looks at him and says, no one ever tells you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it's the whole thing. He says, your life is over. And it should be. If you're going to be a parent, it's not about you anymore. It's about your yep. children until they grow up and move away. And then even then, mm. um, he says, not having had kids. Um, <laughs> but... You know, he's sort of at the other end. You know, maybe she's roughly the age that he got married. I don't know. We don't know. But one of the things that I like, this is in my note, the, there's one night where they're out, and she finally falls asleep, and he literally has to carry her back to bed. Oh, that's and so cute. I, spoiler, I am so glad that he doesn't try anything. No, he just puts it's her in so bed. sweet. It's a sort of not really paternalistic. I don't know what no. you would call it. It's very tender. It is very non-sexual. Yeah, he well, just... this, this gets to one of the talking points that I have. Um, do you think they love each other? And I, don't, I mean in any sense. Yeah, I think they do. I think they see something in each other that nobody else does. Mm. And they, under, they are, and some of it, I have to admit, is like, Two lost souls together. They're thrown together and they're, because in a lot of ways they are alone, but they're not, they don't have to be. You know, mm. she has her husband, she could go with him. He gets some sort of company as we talk. Mm. It, it, I think they do. As much mm. as you can, having known someone for, I don't know, three days, because they just, I think they recognize something of themselves in each other. And they're also, they're both very honest people, I think. They see things. I think they're honest about themselves with yeah. each other, but it's yeah. plainly obvious that they're not honest about themselves with their Well, their he's mates. an actor. He's a professional liar. That's what they do. Sure, but you can, it's obvious that he's not happy in the marriage and probably hasn't been for a long time, and his wife isn't happy, although she's a little bit more honest about it than he is. Yeah. They just decide for the kids, I guess, that they're still quote-unquote together, although it's pretty obvious from what we hear over the phone that she keeps saying... The children miss their father. I don't think they do. Or, or she says their children, kids miss their father, but they're getting used to you not being here. Yeah, that was Yikes. a really harsh line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've been um, skirting around this for a bit now. I want to get yeah. to this. So at the end of the film, Bob is leaving. He's going back home. She's still in Japan for some indeterminate amount of time while John does whatever it is John does with or without um, Anna or whatever her character's name Kelly, is. Kelly, yeah. Because I have this feeling that, yeah, uh, that note where he says he misses her, I think, is guilt-ridden. But that's just me. At the end, he's on his way to the airport, and he sees her one last time walking down a street. You, you met, you, you're leaving out a bit, though. They've had a very awkward goodbye. Where the, well, the kiss you brought up in trivia. Yeah, yeah the, the, not that kiss, the, in the elevator. Right. When, when she, he's about to leave, and they're sort of like, well, you know, sort of gives her an awkward kiss on the cheek. Like, they don't say anything. They don't know what to say. 
they're both sort of paralyzed by it. And then he just leaves, but he sees her walking, and he makes the cab stop, and he gets out and runs after her. And then he embraces her, she embraces him, and he leans in and he says something. Now, in the original print of the film, without subtitles turned on yeah. or whatever, I wore headphones this time, because this has been driving me nuts since 2003. Uh-huh. And I turned them up. The way the film is shot, his dialogue is such that it is garbled and you can't understand it. You're yeah. not meant to understand it. So before you reveal, because Max said he did find out that there is supposedly what it is. This is a legend, yeah. Out of, que- out of curiosity, when you saw this film and up till this point where you found yeah. out there might be an answer, what do you think sh- that he says to her? I didn't care. I didn't think it mattered at all. I think it's just he said something from the heart. He said what she needed, something she needed to hear, and it was something we didn't need to hear. I liked that intimacy, that it was so intimate that the audience doesn't get to know what it is. That's uh, that's ambiguous, Max. You're um, not generally a fan I'm of that. I'm not a fan of ambiguity. <laughs> nope, I like to know. But this, I like the fact that our imagination, we can think of what it could be. What Then the knowledge that there's no way I could think of anything that was as perfect as what he said. Mm. I like that. Um, I'm basically in the same camp. I don't have anything specific, but it's something encouraging. And it could be encouraging for her to seek out stuff like with her writing or something else, but it's something basically, it's not about them. It's about her. Whatever he says, my feeling is it's to her about her. It's not some sort of overture. It's not some sort of, we should get together. It's nothing like that. It's something very deep and it's very raw, but it's for her. That's my, that's all I know. And that's yeah. what my feeling was. Now, spoiler, if you don't want to hear this next part, just skip ahead and it's fine. Yeah. I am curious to hear what they think was what said. What they think he said was, promise me that the next thing you do is go up to that man and tell him the truth. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I she's mean, saying. Tell, that... tell, her, tell John how you feel. Tell John what's happening. Hmm. And, maybe, and tell him maybe, you know, you're too good for him. Yeah. Uh, and that fits in there as well. And that I, I would like to put that under fan theory. Yeah, I, I, do, I would too, because I do not, there is nowhere I found that confirms that that is actually what it said. This is an interpretation of both careful listening and the subtitles. And, and the subtitles this? are an inter- are an interpretation also. Right. Because it's and not in the script. Again, I, I own this film. Um, maybe mine is a pre-sound enhanced whatever. It doesn't matter. The way the film was originally released, you're yeah. not supposed to know. Yeah. And I think it's stronger by not knowing. I agree. I um, think so. I had a couple other questions, if you don't mind my asking sure. you. And if you do mind, then get your own show. Uh, I already have. In relation to... No, you haven't. <laughs> yes, relation... I do. It's called Max Movies. Yeah. How many listeners you got? Probably twice as many as we have here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't record it. I just I just do it aloud in the bathroom. Uh, is that what that noise is? Yep. Um anyway, um in relation to that thing we just heard, do you think after the events in this film, either marriage lasts? Uh I don't think John and Charlotte will last. I hope not. I mean just be, well first off, Bob and Lydia have children. That's a major bond. Yep. And it sounds like they're pretty young. So, we we also know this is you know John's been married a couple of times. He's talking about that to the bartender at one point. So this is not Lydia is not his first wife. 
You mean Bob? You said John and Sorry, Bob. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that. Think John. I'm sorry that it's not that distinctive name. So yeah, Bob. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think they'll sort of stay together out of inertia and as that excuse that so many people use for the children. I don't know though because Mm. he seems so unhappy. And here's the thing, Um, I I can say this from from, uh, experience, Max, if you'd like to, that's up to you. Uh, I don't think it's actually better for children if the parents are not happy with each other for them to stay together. No, I think Um, I agree with that. I think it's a mistake Uh, because kids pick that up. Yeah, and they're not happy either. I know that's in my particular family uh, uh, situation. Uh, My parents are both gone, so they won't hear this. They wouldn't Mm. have anyway. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I don't... (sighs) You think you're doing the right thing. Honestly, you're not. If you're not happy mm-hmm. together, the kids know it. It leads to awkward, just, unhappy situations. Yeah. So my so, hope is that Bob goes home and does exactly what that bit of fan theory says. And yeah. he's honest with his wife. He's like, look, we are not working together. I am more than happy to help raise the kids. But you and me together isn't working. We should do something else. And I hope that, that the same thing happens with... Because thankfully... Charlotte's character is young enough that she's got basically her whole life ahead of her. Yeah. And she's got plenty of time to do all anything. She, she does could not do need to be married to that boat anchor. No. And here's the thing. John might have some actually some really good aspects to him. Yeah. The problem is he's obviously not devoted to her the way well, she is to him. I don't think he get I don't think they really get each other. They clearly don't have a lot in common. They don't uh, have the same kind of priorities. She's a lot smarter than he is. Th- well, we don't really know. <laughs> well, when we she don't... points that thing out, I don't think he knew it. <laughs> oh, yeah, about what, Evelyn Waugh? Yeah. yeah. Evelyn Waugh was a man. <sighs> what did you... No, I just thought it was funny. She wasn't even trying to be smart. Yeah. She was just like... She picked... Uh, this is the Cameron Diaz character, Anna. I don't know. I can't remember her. Kelly. Kelly, um, yeah. Kelly says, oh, I'm here under assumed name. It's Evelyn Waugh. And it's like, I wouldn't have known Evelyn Waugh was a guy, but apparently... You know, um, Charlotte did, but I don't think John knew. <laughs> I get. I gotta say, Kelly has some of the best lines, and Anna Ferris <laughs> just nails them. I still love her. You know, people always say, "Kelly, you're so thin. Or you must be anorexic." Like that? Yeah, I thought you were anorexic. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like that's a compliment. It's like my dad was anorexic. It's like, wait, what? Because he was, he was in the Bay of Pigs invasion. He fought on the American side. Oh no, really? <laughs> And they used to torture him with food, telling him it was poison, so he'd make himself throw up. And went, I think you're just pulling that out of nowhere, because that doesn't... First of all, there were not that many... I don't think there were captives in the Bay of Pigs. Everyone just got turned back. I don't yeah, know. I could be wrong. It also sounds very much like a movie script that she didn't decide to do. <laughs> yeah, it just it sounds so made up and just... Yeah. Again, the fact that when anyone else starts to talk, she suddenly goes, Oh my God, Listen! <laughs> yeah, she just has. She cannot not be the center of attention. Yeah. Um, so at one point, Bob's in the bar alone. Charlotte's doing something else, or hasn't decided that she's not sleeping and called Bob again yet. And there's been this this sort of quote unquote jazz band oh, playing in the hotel. And I got to say VR, this about Sausalito. the Sausalito. Yeah, Sausalito. I got to say this about the the Hyatt. Tokyo, there is tons of stuff to do at this hotel. You yeah, my never God. need to that leave. Is... There's flower arranging. There is a, a swimmer size gym. There's yeah. this great bar, which actually looks pretty cool. There's yeah. uh, there's all sorts of who knows what's going on at that hotel. But yeah. the lead singer of Sausalito comes up. She recognizes Bob, I'm sure, and she uh, 
says hello to him. And the next thing we know, Bob is waking up and she's singing in the bathroom. Yeah. And then, of course, Charlotte's knocking at the door. How do we feel about Bob having slept with the band singer? Well, I, you remember this happened right after he had a rather painful conversation with Lydia. Right. I think, I, I find that really sad that he sleeps with her. I also believe it's part of a pattern because I'm sure she's not the first one. No. You just get that feeling. And I think he was just doing it out of anger and... I, I'm still not sure if he was... Yeah, I think he was lonely or that he's being self-destructive. I'm not sure. Or because he wants a rela- he wants something, he wants to feel something that he doesn't believe he can have with Charlotte. Right. Like, in a way that what they have is too pure. I always like her reaction is so interesting when she finds out, when she realizes she slept with this, this woman. She's, like, really mad at him for one uncomfortable lunch. Yes, at the Shabu Shabu scene. Boy, is that a harsh scene. Oh, that is so uncomfortable. It's not very long, but it's incredibly uncomfortable. And it is very harsh. Where She's like, B, I was like, well, at least you're closer in age. And he goes, well, I guess you have to find someone else to like lavish attention upon you. Yeah, they each have one harpoon, and they yeah. fling it with deadly accuracy. Yeah, and then... When there's a fire alarm in the hotel, which, by the way, that is the most polite <laughs> alarm sound I have ever heard. Like, yeah. It's just like, I beg your pardon. You're probably <laughs> about to die in flames. Won't you please exit the building? Yeah. <laughs> so polite. And they're just looking at each other and they're going, that was an awful lunch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why would you go to a restaurant that makes you cook your own food? Which is what Shabu Shabu is. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I like Shabu Shabu. But, yeah, so do I. Um, my, I. My feeling was that, A, it wasn't Bob who instigated the connection. It was quite obvious that the lead singer of Sausalito was interested in Bob and was like, she does this too. And I, and you can tell when he wakes up that there probably had been more drinking than we saw because he yeah. obviously does not realize what's going on. Yeah, and this the look his, he gets on his face when he hears her singing and he realizes it's just like, oh no. Because what is it? It's one of the songs she's been singing. It's Midnight at the Oasis. Yeah. <laughs> she's singing yeah. it exactly the way you'd think she'd be singing it. Yes. And here's the thing. It sounds to me like, I don't even know her name. She got exactly what she wanted. She's like, I oh. want to sleep with a movie star. And that's it. And that's fine. Oh yeah, I should point out, she doesn't have a name. Her character... Yeah. In, in the credits is red-haired jazz singer. I'm going to call her Sausalito. Or Sausalita. Okay. Sausalita, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually have no problem with Bob having done it, except for the fact that I think we're supposed to look down on it because he's married. Now, we don't know anything about Lydia. For all we know, Lydia's doing stuff, too. Um, you know, the contractor with the carpeting, you know what I heard was... <laughs> never mind. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that he feels guilty and Charlotte feels jealous. I actually find that really interesting. And it's a moment they need to have so they can figure out what their relationship is. Yeah, because it's like she's mad at him as if he cheated on her. Yeah. But he didn't because they don't have that kind of relate. Yeah, and it's true. I think that's one of the reasons they get angry is they're they're confused. They don't... they, They are having trouble dealing with the feelings. Yeah. And they kind of work that out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we know. Yeah. I mean, she. That's like the big conflict of the movie. That's it. Yeah. And then we. And it's very brief. And then they're in the hotel bar. And, you know, he's holding her hand and he says, I don't want to leave. Yeah. And she says, half joking, then don't stay here with me. Yeah. 
It's like, oh. I think that that was necessary, too. They had to have that moment where they faced what would happen if we did just leave everybody and went to be together. And I think they realized it wouldn't work. That yeah. kind of relationship wouldn't work. But I think what they're going to end up with will work. And I think yeah. they're going to know each other for a long time. But that's just me guessing. I don't know. I, I always figured they would never see each other again. Mm, I, I think they do. But okay. I am having hard trouble dealing with the feelings in this film. And the feeling I'm having most trouble dealing with is that we need to get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, suppose we do. The finish. So, Max. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, saw you were just like, this week, for sure. I'm, gonna I'm not even trying anymore. <laughs> nope, nope. Now, uh, you saw this when it came out. I did. Um, and you tend, I mean, you, this, you chose Scarlett Johansson, so you may be a little predisposition towards her. Um, what do you think of this film? I, I really liked it. The first time I saw it, it just caught me completely unawares. Not the least of which wasn't just because, you know, oh, wow, this Scarlett Johansson kid, who I don't think I had ever re saw, I was like, really good. But it was like, holy crap, Bill Murray can act? Yeah. When did that happen? And again, as you say, the way this is put together, it's so unusual. It was, I hadn't seen anything like that. Mm. There's an elegance, simplicity to it. And as you say, it's just a bunch of things that happen. But they somehow flow really well. I even like, this is again, uh, this is one of the things I am kind of embarrassed. There's a sequence where, Bill Mur where, where Bob is watching TV, flipping through Japanese TV, and he comes across something with him in it. A very young Bill Murray. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, I know exactly what that is. What was that it? That is a sketch on Saturday Night Live where he was playing David Eisenhower, Richard Nixon's son-in-law. He's in the Oval Office. You can't see them, but Dan Aykroyd's there as Nixon, and Gilda Radner's there as Julie Nixon. And it's supposed to be the night that he was, resign was deciding to resign. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, why did they pick that? He, he does almost nothing in there. Because it looked like a serious film, and it was really old. And it was shot in such a way that it did look that way, yeah. And it's dubbed into Japanese, which is, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's no Beverly Hillbillies in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> Let me tell you, if you ever get a chance to see the Beverly Hillbillies dubbed <laughs> into Japanese, watch it. Because you'll just be like, culturally, what sense can this make to these people? But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I was blown away. I really liked this movie. And I was absolutely not expecting to. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect from it. I didn't know anything about Sofia Coppola except for that one thing. <laughs> I was well, like, well, I, I remember thinking, oh, great, daddy got her a directing job. Oh, brother. Because I had not seen The Virgin Suicides. Yeah. And I saw this and go, she didn't need daddy at all. No. Well, who knows? Maybe she picked things up over the years by watching her father work. We don't I know. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But now, but, so that was then. How about yeah. now? You just watched it again, right? Yep. Does it hold up? Yes, it does. I think it gets better, quite honestly. Mm. It is funny to look at it from, you know, 20 years ago in uh, with the technology. It's like, oh, wow, because in Japan now, every, actually in Japan, five years after that movie, everyone would have a cell phone. Yeah. And it's kind of a big deal that Bob has a cell phone. Right. Well, he's a rich movie star. 
but you know there, there aren't a lot of cell phones and there's there okay yes every karaoke is still really big there and those weird video arcades i don't know if those exist anymore mm, pachinko palace is probably still do, okay the other ones probably don't yeah but the emotional tones and the resonance it still works i just i just think they're so they're so sweet together and I know I should be like, oh god, it's creepy. He's so much. He's like twice her, supposed to be twice her age here. When in fact he's three times her age. It, <laughs> he is not. Yes, he is. Oh, and that's she, right. He's she's eighteen. She's not twenty-four. Oh, yet for some reason there's it's not creepy. There's this strange kind of purity and non-sexuality about their relationship. It's definitely romantic, but it's more in in in, in Greek. Uh, I don't know, culture, mythology, whatever you want to call it, there's these different kinds of love, and one of them is called agape. And it's, you know, eros is, you know, erotic love, sexual love. Agape is, it's hard to describe, it's like brotherly love, friendly, the love of friends, the love of mankind. It, it's a very powerful thing, but it's not romantic, it's not sexualized. Just like our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> A grape A, Max. A grape A. A, a agape, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, not a grape ape. <laughs> grape ape, grape ape, grape ape. Wow, that one detoured. <laughs> that really took a strange turn. But yes, it's that. I, although I think with them, there's a more romantic level than to you and me. Sorry. Oh, that's, you know, the, tried with the flowers, but if you hadn't yeah. eaten them. <sighs> so they looked so tasty. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> so when did you first see it? I think I did see it when it came out. I think I saw it in the theater. Um, And how did it hit you then? Well, so here's the thing. This is a very non-traditional film because it's more a series of vignettes and it doesn't have conflict. It doesn't really. It does, but it's all inner conflict. Um, you could, there's some lines in there. You're like, oh, they wrote this. I'm not surprised. There is a line Scarlett Johansson gives. Every girl goes through a photography phase like horses. <laughs> and I was like, like, really? They do. And I, No, I was thinking about that. I'm thinking, she's not wrong. I don't know a single woman that I know, that grew up with that went through a photography phase. I know one. Yes, one. yes she, I was going to say, so yes, you one. do. Uh, just because I went out with her. Other than that, like, the horses thing, yes. Photography? Okay, yeah, sure. no, I knew a lot of women who went through a photography phase. I don't think that that's a stereotypical thing at all. But okay. it's not traditionally told. Um, we're looking at a film in vignettes. The time is a little messed up. Um, okay, okay, I can't pull this off any further. I adore this film. <laughs> I love the people in it. Uh Saddled Bill Murray works so well, as would be proven in future roles that he took that are not entirely unlike this. Yeah. Um, it is, he's playing in a way himself. His career was not exactly at its height at this point. People had stopped seeing Bill Murray comedies, and the roles he was getting were not top tier roles. Yeah. Um, I have no idea about his personal life. I don't think he's actually, has he been married? Maybe he is. I, I can't know. remember. He's very private. He's, He's a strange duck in Hollywood in that sometimes he's apparently very difficult to work with, but yeah. he's also a real professional and yeah. a real perfectionist. I think Sofia Coppola does an amazing job because yeah. she is stitching together, and who knows how much she actually shot. Maybe she shot hundreds and hundreds of hours, although if it was done in 27 days, probably, yeah, probably not. Probably not, no. And it all works. It's a nice little travelogue of Japan, which is somewhere I've always wanted to go. 
I'm interested in these two people. I love that it's not this creepy old guy relationship. And in fact, mm -hmm. I think he's in a way trying to protect her from being part of one of his little one night stands. He actually, mm -hmm. I think, respects her more than that. And I like that she's still allowed to be naive, but not stupid, which yeah. is a really tough thing to do. That's a very fine line. She has two moments in this film where she basically lets it out. And one of them is when she's on the phone to what it turns out to be her mother. I didn't realize that. And she starts crying uncontrollably. And the last is when the last scene with her and Bob. Yeah. And otherwise, her performance is very subtle. and new, it's, But it's nuanced. It's not yeah. missing anything. It's just subtle. Yeah, it is. So she, she does so much with just the way she looks at things. Yes. The way she stands. Just with her expression, it's amazing. It is, if you, on the surface, it's a very slow film because yeah. nothing really happens. I'm never bored. I've seen this film, I don't know, half a dozen times. I love this film. I love Sofia Coppola's storytelling, her directing. I like Bill Murray. I like Char uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I think. Giovanni, uh, whatever his name is, Rabisi, Rabisi uh, yep. is a perfectly, wonderfully shallow kind of sc scummy guy. I think Cameron Diaz. Oops, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Anna Faris, yeah, uh, is does I, a she, great job. Uh, yep. Just, yeah, I highly recommend this film. I love the karaoke scene <laughs> where <laughs> or Charlie Brown, <laughs> Charlie Brown, who by the way is a guy named Fumihiro Hayashi, who is a buddy of Sofia Coppola's. I would totally have gone out to that party. I yep. would totally have gone to that karaoke. I would have been just as stunned if somebody, some woman came into my room and said, rip my stocking. That rip is my such stocking. an odd scene. <laughs> that is they, so weird. It's early on. Somebody, I think it's Mr. Fukuhara, whoever that was. I think it's the guy who has hired him for the commercials. Okay, for, yeah. For... Sends a woman to his room. And clearly, <laughs> A, she has no idea what he wants, and he has no idea what to do with her. And it's very... <laughs> Very weird. There's a lot of really funny moments, but they're often wonderfully quiet, funny yeah, moments in this poignant. film. Yeah. And you wouldn't think of this as a funny film, but there's no. parts that are just rip out loud there funny. There are. So, yeah, highly recommended. Definitely. But before we run out of tape, Yes, before <laughs> we run out tape. of what? <laughs> um, we have our poll question if you go over that again, please. No, <laughs> I don't want to. Yes, you do. You can't make me. You can't make me. You baum. can't make him. <laughs> Damn. He pulled the baum card. Yeah. Uh, what is a movie that you have always felt you should watch because of whatever people told you to? It's a classic. Stuff and reasons. But you just have not been able to get yourself to do it. And if you can, tell us why. And how can they tell us why, Max? Or why can they tell us how? Well, they can beam it directly into our minds. When Max only. We have a four-minute window when I remove my, my tinfoil hat. <laughs> or, I suppose, you could go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leave a comment. You can also email us directly for extra <gasps> bonus special chocolatey-coated bumpy bucks mm. at us at maxmikemovies.com. Neat. You can also contactualize us on the Twitters or the Facebooks under Max Mike Movies. Still Elon free. Still 100% Musk free. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. There's probably quite a Musk hanging around both of them, but uh, no Elon. Smell is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's about it. But for next week. Ooh, what, what's Scarlet doing next week? Scarlet, save me, save me. <laughs> so what's to save? <laughs>
Yes. Continue with the adventures of the Scarlet Pumpernickel. <laughs> with uh, this is a bit of a change. I uh, this is a, a different one. This is kind of a raunchy comedy called Rough Night from I believe huh. 2017. I don't know that film. I have never seen it, hmm. but why not? Well, I bet it's no eight-legged freaks. <laughs> I really hope it has a complete lack of giant spiders. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.